Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Kelly Santer from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon and uh, looking forward to another hour of Southern Miss Sports Talk. Al Holder will be joining us a little later in the show. He's going to update us on Brian Dozier, how his season is going, as his team now is just one game away from playing in the World Series. Going to join Gerald Mumford here in just a moment to reminisce about some great years of Southern Miss football and find out what Mr. Mumford is up to these days. But first, opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. You can enjoy their delicious foods. They cook them in-house every day around the state of Mississippi, and they'll cater any event, large or small. You can always sit back, relax, Kelly Center, and let Dickies do the cooking. And this Saturday when Southern Miss is at uh, La Tech, the game's going to be on TV, so why not place your order yeah. with Dickies a little bit later this week? Just pick it up and have the gang over and watch the game and enjoy Dickies. Right. All right, we're going to talk football here in just a moment. Kelly, it's hard to believe October 29th, basketball starts. It is hard to believe, and it seems like every year it starts earlier and earlier. I remember one time uh, William Carey, I think, played on Trick or Treat Night, which was October 31st, but now teams are playing, you know, the 24th, the 29th. Right, here's you know. one before before Halloween. Jay Ladner uh, addressed the media yesterday, so his his era is officially about to begin, and uh, you know Jay Ladner. You're pretty optimistic about this, aren't you? Well, it's a process, and he, he, and he has shaken, I think, about every hand in town. You know, and he has told people, you know, it's going to be a process. And of course, the schedule doesn't help any when you're when <laughs> yeah. you're playing teams like you know Gonzaga and and Michigan. You know, right off the bat, Iowa State later on. I mean, it's just a brutal schedule. But uh, but it's a process. But he's here for the long haul. He said this is his dream job. He's not going anywhere. Well, good deal. We're looking forward to basketball. Our first guest played uh, for the Golden Eagle football team from 1996 through 2000 was a defensive tackle on some really good uh, football teams. Uh, nationally ranked, uh, conference championships, four postseason bowl appearances. Gerald Mumford joins the show, now an attorney in Jackson. And, Mr. Mumford, glad to have you on the Eagle Hour. I'm glad to be here, guys. Southern Miss to the top. There you go. i tell you what, that you played in a golden era. Every single year that you played, you guys uh, went to a bowl game. And, you know, Mr. Mumford, uh, including you, uh, I'm, I'm just looking at some of the great talent you played with, Derek Nix. T.J. Slaughter, Edric Pruitt, Rod Davis, Cedric Scott. Was there ever a time that you looked around and said, man, how much football talent can there be on a football team? You got that right. You know, I looked at those guys, including the question, Scott. We all came in together in 96. I said, well, I don't think God gave me that kind of talent, so I'm going to get my books out and go to law school when I get done playing ball. (laughs) So you're obviously a defense attorney. Well, I am a defense attorney, but my main gig is uh, I'm the Hines County County prosecutor. And so we prosecute in justice court, and we handle matters in youth court and county court here in Hines County. So I'm an elected official, and I'm proud to serve the citizens of Hines County. 
Wow, and that that is really good to know that he is yeah. in Heinz County. Just in case you have some problems down there, right, yeah, Mike right. Kelly? <laughs> Gerald, uh, what what memories flood to your mind the most about your time at Southern Miss? It's hard to pick out a season because 96 yeah. through 2000, you guys were bowling every single year. It's really hard. I thought about it today. You know, the, the biggest memory and the best memory I have is beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa my senior year. Followed behind that would be the the hideout game, I, I would call it, in Louisville. When we beat Louisville on that hideout play, Right. Uh, Coach Bauer made that call, the great call. And, and after that would be the uh, GMAC Bowl, where we played against LaDevian Thompson, the Hall of Famer, and beat them uh, for my last game in that bowl game, the Mobile Bowl. So we have great memories going to uh, play Army uh, up there in New York was, was great, the scenic atmosphere was great going to nebraska and almost beating them was were great we, we always competed and took pride in wearing the black and gold well you just named three schools uh alabama louisville and tcu that that you guys beat that that's pretty tall company there you guys uh that was that was really a time is it not uh gerald that uh, anywhere anyone anywhere any any time really was true the golden eagles could go anywhere in the country and, and compete with just about any team in america that's why, you know, the, the, our guys now playing Mississippi State on and off. And I can tell you, man, I would give my left arm to play them one day. Because I know all four years we could have competed with them and probably beat them in 99 2000. Our defense were, were, were that good. Yeah, but, but but with all due respect, if you gave your left arm, you wouldn't be much help. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, Gerald, i got to ask you about one guy. You play with so many great players. There's really two I want to ask you about. Try to put in perspective what a great player Derek Nix was. Derek Nix was a great player. You know, I see him now uh, coaching up there in the school up north. I, it's hard for me to cheer for that school, but I'd be cheer for him. I do wish him well. I, I, I saw his running backs made a couple touchdowns a couple weeks ago, and I'm happy about his success. But he had the determination, and we saw that early on when he came to school that he was going to be a heck of a player for us, and he turned out to be just that great. And how mean, really, was T.J. Slaughter? D- d- <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that's a good question. T.J. was a mean guy. I can remember us uh, his pregame speech before a game. It was a big game, and he wore all white. He said he shaved every hair off of his body because he wanted to cleanse himself before the Lord, before he went out there and with that reckless abandon that he had. So T.J. was a, a, a character, a great player. A great Southern Miss football player that you mentioned right there. Did anybody step up and make fun of TJ when he said he had shaved every hair off his body? No, you don't. You didn't make fun of TJ because you didn't know where, where he would take it. You know, so you just let him be do his thing. And and he had a he had a pretty good NFL career too. Sure TJ Slaughter yeah, did. He sure did. He was one of the early uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, and the Jaguars yeah. were kind of getting rolling down there. Jeff sure Bauer, did. Gerald, what is what did what did Jeff Bauer mean to you during your career at Southern Miss? Jeff Bauer, to me, means leadership. Uh, Jeff Bauer uh, was a Southern Miss true and true. Uh, you know, he got us prepared every week, motivated us. He had great assistant coaches like Dave Womack and John Thompson and and, and uh, Tyrone Nix and Randy Butler. And he always let his coaches coach. And he, uh, he did a good job of leading us and believing in us and giving the players uh, a little rope 
we always call five minutes early being power time. So if you were on time, you were late. You need to be operating on power time, which meant five minutes early. So I believe all the players that he coached still maintain that power time aspect today. How much do you still get to keep track of the program, and how how has the change in the football landscape, uh, collegiately, Gerald, uh, affected uh, Southern Miss's situation? Well, I keep up with it a whole lot. We're four and two. And Jalen Adams, man, he could have played with us back in the day. He is that fast, and uh, so I appreciate what Jay Hobson is doing for the program right now. I'm looking forward to us winning this week. The college landscape has changed a lot, and I saw an article today where Jalen was uh, at once was committed to Troy. And I think the landscape has changed. I think the money and the power five has changed USM. I still think we are competitive in our league, and I think we should continue to be that competitive. Uh, you know, those Alabama schools have taken a lot of the talent that used to come to Southern Miss. And so I want us to be as great as we can be and beat everybody on our schedule. But most of all, compete for Conference USA Championships. Well, part of the reason that the landscape has changed is because Troy has uh, come into its own. South Alabama has joined the Sun Belt. And when you were playing, you know, South Al, I don't think, had a football program. That's right. You know, we uh, got a lot of guys from Birmingham area, Mobile area, like uh, uh, Parrish out of Mobile and the Twins out of Monroeville, Alabama. Uh, you know, uh, Adelius Thomas was from the Birmingham area, T.J. Slaughter. So that program has affected us a lot. We got to continue to get the players and recruit in that panhandle of Florida, Shedrick Blackman, to make Southern Miss all it can be. So uh, that's changed a little bit, but I think we still are are on the right track. Hey, a couple of breaks here or there. The Eagles could run the table, in my opinion. I, I think so. I'm looking forward to bowling with them. I've maintained my uh, Eagle Club membership. I, you know, Southern Miss has given me so much, and I feel like it's important to get back to the program through uh, support the Eagle Club and and fun to help fund scholarships. Well, Gerald Mumford, if you were a little bit smaller, I might crack a lawyer joke, but um, I don't know. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Gerald, you're a Clarksdale guy. How did did a young man uh, back in 1996 end up uh, in Hattiesburg from Clarksdale? We didn't see a lot of that uh, back in that day. Well, I was born at Clarksdale, but raised in Jackson. We uh, went to Callaway High School. I got you. And uh, I was fortunate to be recruited alongside another great player from Callaway, Jason Marshall, who chose, chose to go to another school. Uh, frankly, uh, John Thompson offered me a scholarship, and I took it and ran with him. I grew up a Southern Miss fan, rooting for Casey Fisher, Randolph Keys, and those guys. And I, I just felt like Hattiesburg was the place for me. And I'm glad to attend that school. Well, obviously, you've done very well since. Callaway uh, Chargers in the house. There you go. And uh, we, hey, look, we thank you very much for your time. Look forward to getting you back on the show again soon. Okay, thanks for having me. Gerald Mumford, everybody. The defensive tackle on some great Southern Miss football teams. And now, Kelly, a prosecutor. My hands are shaking here. A a lawyer. All right, our next guest is not a lawyer, but he knows a lot about baseball. Al Holder's next on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Gerald Mumford for joining us in the first segment of the show. Southern Miss football great from uh, back in the Jeff Bauer era and now a lawyer and 
a prosecutor and a guy that's done very well, Kelly. You know, you mentioned John Thompson, who recruited him out of high school. And uh, Eagle fans will remember that uh, John Thompson, who actually married a sportscaster, Charlene uh, Thompson, uh, from WHLT back in the day. But John uh, became, you know, did so well as the defensive coordinator at Southern Miss that he was named the head coach at East Carolina. Uh, left the Southern Miss program for that. And, of course, Tyrone Nix has gone on to be defensive coordinator at a bunch of different Division One schools. And Dave Womack, who's now retired, he was the defensive coordinator, I think, at uh, Ole Miss and maybe did a stint at South Carolina. So when you look at the Jeff Bauer coaching tree, you know, Randy Butler was at Troy. Pretty extensive. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of great coaches. Nick, have come the, to... Knicks, the Knicks brothers. Derek right. Nix, that's, too. It, yeah. that's right. And John Thompson had some of the craziest defensive schemes in the history of college football. It was so much fun to watch. And and I really thought I really thought when East Carolina hired him that that was going to be a, a good thing. But it just I guess it just for whatever reason just didn't work out for John. You know, right. at East Carolina, and I think he went on to Arkansas State or someplace after that and became the athletic director. Might still be I don't know, but uh, right. somewhere up in the Arkansas area, which is I think where his family was from originally. This segment of the show is sponsored by Campus Bookmark and CampusBookmark.net. No matter where you live, you can always shop the greatest selection of Southern Miss apparel at CampusBookmark.net, M-A-R-T. And if you're in town, of course, you can just stop right down on Hardy Street. You can't miss the building, Kelly. It is about as bright a yellow as you're ever going to see. Yellow and gold. Campus Bookmark and CampusBookmark.net. All right, we want to switch gears a little bit. We want to talk a little baseball. Brian Dozier, nobody on this show needs to tell you about Brian Dozier. Uh, Major League All-Star, Golden Glove winner, a big hero up uh, in Minnesota, I believe broke the record for most home runs by an American League second baseman uh, a few years back, and uh, left Minnesota after a number of years, spent a year in Los Angeles, and now is a member of the uh, Washington National Baseball Team, which after last night is one game away for making uh, their first ever appearance uh, in the World Series. Al Holder, no stranger to the show, is a big baseball fan, follows Golden Eagle baseball players uh, in college and after they leave college. So we ask Al to step on board today and talk a little bit about Brian Dozier. And you, and you said Al Holder, no stranger. You got that right. There is nobody stranger than Al Holder. Than Al Holder. <laughs> and without further ado, here he is. How are you, Al? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Strange Love himself. <laughs> Boy, that's an understatement. You're not kidding. All right, Al. You know, I'm a I'm a a guy. I follow all the Washington sports teams, having lived there for a long time. And, and don't they need some good they, news? They need some help. The, <laughs> the, the Nationals are just doing sensationally well. I, I watch every game they play. My only disappointment, and I guess surprise to some degree, is how little time on the field Dozier is getting, and I know, I know you follow his career. Why are we not seeing Brian Dozier play more than we are? Uh, one name, Howie Kendrick. He he he. Howie's just tearing the ball up. He's always been a really solid hitter, but uh, just to give you a a, a little bit, uh, the in in this year he's batting three forty four with an eight sixty six OPS. And uh, Dozier's is uh, uh, two forty five with a seven sixty eight OPS. And for anybody who doesn't know what on, uh, OPS is, that's uh, your your slugging and your on base percentage uh, together. So it's uh, uh, it, he, he's just tearing in, in the postseason. He's uh, played in all nine games. He's batting three fourteen. He's got a five fourteen slugging. 
uh, average and an 866 OPS with nine RBIs and, and 11 hits. So you and, just uh, you can't take him off the field. That's what you're saying. No. Now they they do they, they use Brian uh, strategically. Like last night, they put him in for the last two innings for defense for defense because he's he's a better defensive uh, second baseman than Kendrick is. And uh, so they use him there, and they will throw him in as a pinch hitter when they're you know, when the pitcher's uh, coming up, or you know to to, to fill in for the pitcher uh, uh, while they change uh, uh, pitchers. But one of so the it, but one of the ahead. things that that's cool about Dozier is if you would ask him if he was making out the lineup card, guess who Dozier would play at second base. Oh yeah, he Kendrick. He yeah, put no Kendrick question. in. He said, "Look, man, yeah. I, I I'm here and I want to do my part and I want to play, but I ain't touching that guy." So you, you know? agree? Yeah. You agree with that, Brian? Completely unselfish and wants to do what's Absolutely. best for the team. But he he's he's as good in the clubhouse uh, as he as he has ever been out of the field. Uh, he actually did. He had a kind of an average year this year. You know, he was he batted two thirty eight. Uh, had a 770 uh, OPS this year, which is a little better than his lifetime average, and uh, 430 slugging. I think he hit 20 home runs. I mean, he's he's had a, a decent year. I suspect uh, uh, the Nats will either bring him back or uh, somebody else is going to pick him up because he, he's got some legs left. I mean, he's 32 years old. And he surely has uh, a couple, three more years left in him. All right. So if you were if you were looking at a scale that was zero to a hundred, and you were talking about the longevity of someone's career, uh, you know where they're still effective as a player, where would you put Brian Dozier right now, Al? Uh, I like I said, I think he's got. Uh, I think he certainly has two more years, uh, maybe three or four. It just depends. Uh, he's. Uh, it looks to me like he's. Uh, He's always had a propensity for for trying to go deep in the count. He's all, and, and so I don't know that he's looking for the mistake on the first or second pitch like he should be. That, you know, this is old coach holders uh, over here. But what do I know? But uh, the he, but he's always had a propensity to go deep. He likes uh, he'll walk. He doesn't care how he gets on base. Mm-hmm. He's uh, it's a. Uh, uh, but if you make a mistake, I mean, he's got some thump in his back. I still think he's. Uh, got an injury that's nagging him. I, mm-hmm. I don't know where it is or what it is, but I think something's uh, bothering him. And when, when you know. talk about the longevity of a player, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle is, you know, yeah. how do they feel physically? Because exactly. really, you know, after as long as he's been in the league, you would certainly hope that money is not an issue, right? right. So you'd still you'd play for the love of the game, and if you if you physically, you know, felt up to it and you felt like you could contribute, and you're hoping – because every guy, every, once they get to the major leagues, people say, well, what else is there to play for? I'll tell you what there is to play for, the world championship ring. Right. Yeah. All right, so you're really pulling for the Nats to, to win that, you know, if you're a Dozier fan, just so that, that Brian Dozier will get All his right. ring. And then, then that could also change the ball game, Bob. You know, Dozier could say, that I've, I've got nothing else left, left to prove, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, so, he, he's, you know, he's played in 1,137 games in his career. He's had 4,300 at-bats. 1,053 wow. hits and 192 home runs. So he's been out there a lot. And uh, you get banged around. And uh, he's he's not a timid player. He'll, he will he's he, he runs out uh, ground balls. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw last night. He he came within a, a half of, I'm talking a shoelace, of uh, being safe at first there uh, on a, a really hard hit ball up the middle. So he, he, he doesn't uh, he doesn't take any time off and, I just think he's got 
some there's something going on there that uh, that I'm not aware of. And, well, both of but, you guys make me feel a little better because I've been watching it and kind of frustrated that he's not on the field. But you're you're both of the belief that. He's 100% behind the guy at second base playing so well. Well, there's a natural competitive spirit that any, you know, they all have egos. And if they didn't have egos, they still wouldn't be playing the game at that level. So that's not necessarily bad, right? You have to have an ego to play at that level. But you're also a team player. You want to win the championship. And, and I'd be the first guy to say, no, man, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. And what's amazing about the Nat story up to this point is how close they were. To elimination. To being completely eliminated, right? right? And here they right. are now on the verge of the World Series. And if if the scoundrels from New York happen to make the, the World Series, <laughs> then everybody in the country would be cheering, you know, for the Nationals. Right, right. So um, you just, you just, those guys play for rings. And like I said, if Brian were to happen to get that, then could completely change how much longer he'd go. But Al, you're, you're convinced he's still got a lot of game in him. I do. Uh, have you, has anybody noticed, uh, I've been watching baseball a long time. These center field cameras are just awesome on television. Mm-hmm. But has anybody noticed that, that, that these pitchers are coming in and they're throwing 98, 99 mile an hour fastballs. And then you see a 92 mile an hour slider that breaks two feet. I mean, how do you hit it? How do you hit something <laughs> like that unless they're just making mistakes? Well, you, you got to get, get get that one mistake every bat. Well, anybody that can, Al, they pay rather handsomely. You know. <laughs> they sure do. I, I think Dozier is he getting paid nine million this year? Yeah, it's a ton of money. I mean, it's a, don't feel too sorry. I was going to say why anybody would work for that. It, I, it's, I have. Uh, it's, I, it's Kelly. I, you and I are under grossly underpaid here, aren't we? Well, I, and and if there's anybody that knows talent, it's Al because I remember years ago he he was scouting the Middle East and he said there's a kid from Nazareth named Jesus that's going places. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it turns out, you know, he did pretty good. He did pretty I was good, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Al, can you stick around through the break? I want to get you. I want to get your thoughts on the on the uh, fall baseball game that took place uh, Sunday afternoon. You good with that? Sure. All right, Al Holder is going to come back on the other side of the break. We're going to talk a little more baseball, and then we'll jump We'll jump around, talk some football, and uh, maybe talk about the Cincinnati Bengals before it's all said and done. Why? We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank uh, Al Holder for sticking around. We're going to bring Al back here in just a moment. Uh, this segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place to have lunch. Great place to uh, pre-game tailgate or post-game tailgate. Great place to pay, play pool. Just have a good time. And uh, Kelly, how much is the lunch there? At it's, it's, I'm glad you asked, yeah. Bob, because yeah. you never do. No, uh, It's $8.95, and that includes a regular drink. Now, adult beverages would come with a, a slight upcharge. 
Right. But, um, and today being Tuesday, Kelly, what would what would one assume they have served today? Well, I can tell you that today oh. was Country Fried Steak Day. Thursday. Man, we got to go down there one Tuesday. Man, that's pork chop day. Those pork chops are about that thick, and they blacken yeah. them just right, and you get some uh, I'm, collard I'm greens. I'm all about and, some country fried steak. Oh yeah, we need to, stuff we need that to that down stuff there. that marches straight to your heart. Your yeah. cardiologist would love you. That's for why that. he drives a Porsche. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Good. Just 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 on the Getty bill. Right. 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 Well, remind everybody that the Eagle Hour streams live every day. You can just go to your computer and go to uh, supertalklaurel.com. Or supertalkhattiesburg.com and pick us up live anywhere in the world. You think Al is still awake? Al, are you there? Excuse me. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> he's back. Yeah, okay. I thought he snuck Al, one Al in there. Huh? Yeah. All right, Al. Uh, well, one more question before we move on to uh, college baseball. I think the Nationals can win the whole thing. What do you think? I agree. The, I, uh, now, uh, a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have believed it because of the way their bullpen was performing, but uh, the way they performed the last few games has been unbelievable. Plus, their starters are going so deep into these games. I mean, you get seven innings out of your starter, your bullpen's always fresh, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it's going to make a big difference, no question. Well, they're, 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 they're really not banging the ball. They're not just going like seven innings deep, but you're getting guys like Max Scherzer that are no hitting teams for like seven exactly. innings. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, they're peaking yeah. at the right time. And there's a guy, Max Scherzer, out of the University of Missouri, who played most of his career with the Tigers. There's a guy that deserves a world championship, you know, the way that he's hung on. I, I hope for his All sake, All right, now, too. you take this picture of Scherzer, and you put him out on the mound, and you bring Kelly up, and Kelly gets 100 pitches. How many times does Kelly or a guy – not just Kelly, but, but any guy like Kelly, me, you – uh, how many times do you put the bat on the baseball out of 100 pitches? Zero. Zero. <laughs> I said one, Al, but it'd purely be by accident, you know? Well, that, it, it would be by accident. I, 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 have you ever stood in a pitching machine that, 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 that comes at you in the 90s? I mean, there's just there's no way I can't get the bat off my shoulder. Yeah. Those guys are special. Yeah, there's no question. All right, uh, this Sunday the Golden Eagles played a uh, a fall baseball game against William Carey. Uh, they won the game easily, fifteen to nothing. Kelly was right. He, he told me Friday, you know, they'll pitch everybody on the team. I forget now, thirteen, eleven, eleven kids, maybe eleven different kids pitched. Can you take anything out of that, or is that just uh, kind of a dress rehearsal practice? You think? Well, uh, I, I I'm gonna be honest with you. I was not there Sunday. But I did go over Saturday and watch some practice. And uh, they looked uh, to me like they were pretty sharp. They were banging the ball around pretty good. The, uh, uh, I, I talked to uh, a couple of the kids. I noticed that Lynch is still at third base. I really, really thought they might move him over to first. You know, uh, mm-hmm. But apparently they're going to keep running him over there at third base. But uh, they, everybody looked pretty sharp. I don't think they have set a lineup yet. I don't think they're even close. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think people are still in the uh, – they're still going to have to earn their uh, their position. And I think there's more of that coming as we go through the fall and then uh, uh, spring practice. So I think uh, you're, you're, it's uh, – uh, it, it, I just the, – the one kid that I'm really we, – we're going to be pretty good, uh, barring injuries, we're going to be pretty good on the mound this year. Uh, I also asked uh, about uh, a couple of the kids about uh, the artificial turf that's going to go down in November. And uh, 
Uh, almost all of them liked it. One of the pitchers said he was not, uh, he liked dirt because he can, you know, put his cleats in the, in the ground in front of the rubber. But most of them don't care. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I, Actually, I as a defender, as an infield defender in particular, you like the artificial turf because you get a more true hop. Right. It's no easy. It's easier to predict the ball and the spin the way the ball is going to hop, and you'll get something that'll be more at you. Now it will be hotter. I don't mean temperature wise, but it yeah. will be. It'll be sh- faster coming to mm-hmm. you because and a lot more bounce. And yeah. there's there's no absorption off the artificial turf like there would be natural grass. Right. But as far as predictability, it should help your fielding percentage, particularly in the infield, because of the predictability of a more true hop. I agree. It'll be interesting to see, that's for sure. So they've officially played the last game they'll ever play on that grass surface. That's that's what I understand. Yeah, not to mention the hours of work that won't have to be conducted every week just to keep the field up. But but again, this this all comes down to money, as as the athletic director, Jeremy McLean, was telling us on Friday, because these tournaments, these American Legion tournaments and these travel tournaments, these showcases that come through now, which are huge moneymakers, you know, for all these different organizations, Perfect Game, Baseball Factory, Under Armour, all these people have these showcases to put on. Well, that's just more money that Southern can, by guaranteeing, look, we'll have the field ready in 15 minutes, taking these 4 o'clock thunderstorms out of the equation now, mm-hmm. which can yep. be so frustrating in the South, as you guys know. Right. Uh, conference tournament, you know, the conference tournament, you'd be able to have it there. And really, the way, it takes the weather out of the equation, which financially they'll be able to book these tournaments, come in here, and get them in. You know, get the tournaments in. So mm-hmm. it's all about all about money, and it'll it'll pay it. You'll get your money back within three years by putting that. Thing I think down. you're right, Kelly. I, that, I hate to say that, by the way. I, <laughs> I, I don't think I have ever said. I think you're right, Kelly. It's a dangerous precedent to set. It out. is. Let me just yeah. No, nobody ever has. I, I mean, and and I understand it. I voted for Ross Perot twice. <laughs> So, you know, not just, now we know. Yeah, yeah, not just once, but twice I voted for Ross Perot. So. All right, real quick, Al. Uh, basketball starts, believe it or not, on the 29th of October. And after a couple of exhibition games, the Golden Eagles kick it off with Gonzaga and Michigan. <laughs> so I guess they want to see right out of the gate what they got. Uh, your thoughts about the new Jay Ladner era? I, I, I was, I, I don't even know how I felt about all of that because it was just a whole bunch of stuff. But I, I, after talking to Jay and listening to him, I, I'm kind of encouraged. Uh, I like one of us being over there uh, on the on the bench. I, I just think that's really important. Uh, this year, we're going to have to really be uh, patient because the team's going to be extremely young. Uh, a lot of guard play. And by the way, I'm a firm believer that guard play in college is everything. It's everything. But the uh, I think uh, depending on how we shoot the ball uh, and uh, how we defend, I think uh, we'll have fun watching them. I think they're going to be fun to watch. So, uh, But they're going to have to grow up and uh, basically every two or three years we're going to have a junior-senior club that's going to that's contend. And I think that's the way it's going to have to go. But uh, I'm, I'm encouraged. I just hope people come out and watch. I, I just... Mm-hmm don't understand why people in Hattiesburg, you know, I come from Jackson down there for almost every game, and I don't understand why I can do that and somebody can't drive across town and help fill that place up. It makes a big difference. And and it's all about managing expectations. Everything in sports is about managing expectations. Like people, you know, because they hear this show, they know I'm a Bengal fan. They'll go, are you disappointed at the season the Bengals are having? 
disappointed, yes, but I'm not surprised because mm-hmm. I knew going into the year this was not going to be a great year. Right. Okay, so I say that to Eagle basketball fans. Manage your expectations. This is not going to be – and Jay Ladner has said as much. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. not going to be a team that goes 20 and 10, all right? If they'll be lucky to go 10 and 20, okay? I know he probably – it probably hurt his feelings for me to say that, but you know they're going to try hard every game, but but the deck is kind of stacked against them. So you know that going into the season, so just go along for the ride, just enjoy it. And and as Al said, you know the, he's planting the seeds now, and the harvest will come in you know two or three years. All right, Al. So the next time you're down, what do you say about taking me and Kelly out for a steak dinner somewhere? I think that's a plan. Ah, we're in steak yeah. dinner though. You're talking about like after seven o'clock. Yeah, can you stay up that late? Well, you and I always eat at five o'clock. We're Waffle House at six a.m. Yeah. We do like that early meal, Al, where we can get home and uh, get to bed early. So if you <laughs> right. if you can keep that in mind, we'd appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, to us, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon is more like the evening news at five thirty. You know. All right, Al. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, y'all have a great day. <laughs> Al Holder, everybody. What a great sport. <laughs> yeah, and we pick on Al, and and, uh, and there's nobody that bleeds black and gold more than Al Holder. No, there's not. No, you know? there's absolutely not. And he makes a good point. He's coming out, and he's Al's not the youngest guy right, around, right. okay, but gets in his car. For basketball games. Drives down from Jackson. And comes it, for every weekend baseball series, comes for every home basketball game, every football game. And then you and I are sitting there Saturday night, and as we looked across the field and our eyes went up, we saw nothing. It's just it's so frustrating. Well, we saw the two junior high kids, you know. Up in the corner. They were, they were having a really good time. But other than that, it, was, it really wasn't helping the attendance figures a lot. And, and you know what? If, if you buy season tickets and you're not going to go to the game. Give them away. Call, get on your Facebook page and say, hey, I got two tickets, but you have to go. You have to go right. to the game if I'm going to give them to you. A lot of military kids down at Camp Shelby this sure. time of the year. Give it to them. All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank Al Holder and Gerald Mumford for joining us today on the Eagle Hour. Always enjoy great conversations with the Golden Eagle supporters and former athletes. This segment is sponsored by Gulfport Home Center down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Great selection of pre-manufactured housing for every budget, for every need. They can help you with your financing, with the location of your home, and, of course, with the setup and delivery of your home. So if you're in the market for a home, whether it be your primary residence, maybe a weekend retreat, hunting camp, whatever, a Gulfport Home Center, well worth your drive down to Gulfport. One of the cool things about doing this show, Bob, is, is you know, you get to talk to Southern Miss fans, but the, the level 
of love and respect they have for the university really came to, to mind to me with the homecoming show, you know, that we did on, on Friday. You know how when the, the nurse or whatever is kind of feeling around to draw some blood and they're always feeling for the vein, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they finally find it. Mm-hmm. With Southern Miss fans, once you find that vein, man, their love That's right. and compassion for this school, man, they just love talking right. about it and the times they had here. And it's really fun to see their eyes light up when they talk about uh, Southern Miss. I've always said through the years that we don't have the largest fan base in the country, but we have the most passionate fan base in the country. Yeah, it just just gets so excited to talk about it, you know, and it's 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 really cool. It's always fun, too. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about something else in the last couple, three minutes we have. We talk a lot here in the fall about NFL football. We're all big football fans here, and we all love NFL football. And uh, I watched a great game last night, Green Bay and Detroit. For some reason, I've always enjoyed watching uh, Matthew Stafford play football. I think he's just an excellent quarterback. That he's never in, he's never in that group when you talk about great quarterbacks. But statistically, he's right there with with anybody. But anyway, Philip Rivers is another one too. Correct. Yeah. Great game last night. I thought Detroit's a much improved football team, beginning to really turn around under their new coach. But Kelly, it was just another game where. Down the stretch, the officials just took over, made one bad call after another after another, and virtually handed the game to the Green Bay Packers. I saw a lot this morning uh, on social media. I saw a little bit during lunch on ESPN, uh, people talking and complaining about this. I think it's a problem, and it seems to me to be a problem the league really needs to get a grip over. You talked about on this program yesterday the last drive that the Cowboys, or one of the drives right. that the Cowboys had against the Jets where the Jets were called for four straight you know, pass, right. inter- pass interferences. And I am not suggesting at all that the NFL has predetermined outcomes, okay, because that, that's preposterous. But it just, it just really seems funny to me that there are certain teams that get calls and certain teams that don't. Right. And Green Bay is one of those teams that always seems to get the call when they need it. Dallas is one. Pittsburgh is one, even though the Steelers are obviously having a lousy year. The Patriots obviously are one. And if I didn't mention the Cowboys, they're in there. And the Bears, because the Bears go back to the beginning. And then there are teams that are never going to get those calls. Mm -hmm. The Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Arizona Cardinals, these teams from the small markets are never going to get those calls. And they have a tough enough time competing, small market versus large market. Uh, and you could even say the Jets you know, don't get those calls either. The Giants are kind of a fair-haired boy, too, well, of the league. You make, a, you make an interesting point, and you look back to Sunday and Monday, and, and the two, two of the teams you mentioned, the only reason the Dallas Cowboys had a chance to, to – tie the game in the end is four back-to-back-to-back-to-back pass interference calls against the Jets. The only reason the Green Bay Packers won the game last night was two atrocious calls for illegal hands to the face on the same Detroit defensive player. Both times the replay clearly shows it was just a terrible call, and the referee is five feet from him the second time he makes the call, and it does make you wonder. And if it were turned around, if it was the Lions that were making that drive, would it never happen? The Lions would not have won the game. I don't think so. They would not have won the game in the last That was an example, two games of where where the Jets clearly outplayed the Cowboys and, and by their good fortune won. The Lions clearly outplayed the Packers last night, and the game 
was practically handed to Green Bay because if you and those those two calls were made on third down when they were getting the Packers off the field. So it's a five yard penalty, automatic first down. They gave their quarterback four more downs. If you give him, if you give him, you know, a new set of downs twice in the same drive, what do you think's going to happen? And I would, and they would never admit it, but I contend that behind the closed doors of the NFL, if they were to get a Pittsburgh and New England, I mean a Pittsburgh and Dallas or New England Dallas World Series, uh, gosh, I don't even know. Super Bowl, right. that they would absolutely love that. How about that Packers? How about, how about Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady Super Bowl? To, as long as the team, as long as the two teams in the Super Bowl are quote unquote in the club, mm-hmm. then I don't think. And I get it. I'm not suggesting that that there's any cheating going on. I'm just saying they've no. got their favorites. That uh, you know that they would not. They wouldn't be too thrilled with an Arizona San Diego, you know, mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Apparently, they didn't want a New Orleans and New England Super Bowl. They preferred a Los Angeles and New England Super Bowl. There you go. All right, back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Always fun. We hope you'll join us. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.